Hello, and uh, welcome to another episode of Wood Chats, a Forest and Wood Products Australia podcast. As every forester knows, biosecurity measures play a crucial role in strengthening Australia's efforts when it comes to the prevention of, response to, and recovery from pest and disease incursions. Uh, with that in mind, today's episode of Woodchat will focus on a handful of Aussie-based research projects with the goal of strengthening biosecurity not just in Australia, but also across the broader Asia-Pacific region. These types of projects are vital for the protection of our forests, environments, communities and economy. Uh, first up, uh, is a collaborative effort between government, the forestry industry and community uh, to enable early detection of exotic forest pests and improve the likelihood of their eradication. FWPA is one of a number of organisations to throw its support behind this initiative. Uh, the National Forest Pest Surveillance Programme, also known as Forest Watch Australia, commenced on the 1st of July 2022 and so recently completed its first full year of activity. It therefore felt like the ideal time to have a chat with Lucy Tranwin, GM of Partnerships and Innovation at Plant Health Australia, which is leading this work to find out more. Plant Health Australia is the trusted coordinator of Australia's plant biosecurity system. We are a non-profit organisation made up of government and industry partners. So we bring expertise, knowledge and stakeholders together to generate solutions that improve biosecurity outcomes to ensure that the plant biosecurity system is future orientated and solutions focused. We are also the custodians of the emergency plant pest deed and that provides the governance and the structure behind when there's an incursion or an outbreak of an exotic pest. We bring together affected parties to try to try to stop the spread of the, of the pest itself under a structured way. So there are set guidelines under the deed itself that where responses are facilitated to stop spread and eradicate the exotic plant pests. So it sounds like it's all very collaboration-based, then, the work that you do. Yeah, as a national coordinator, we're not government. We're also not industry. We're the third party, the middleman, and we try to ensure that both parties work together for the same goal. So we actually have three strategic priorities. One is to respond effectively and secondly is to strengthen partnerships and three is the integration of technologies. Those strategic priorities that you outlined there are pretty well encapsulated I think in the work that we're going to be discussing today. The National Forest Pest Surveillance Programme, also known as Forest Watch Australia as of recently. Historically in Australia, there hasn't been no a single uh, surveillance program which targets exotic plant pests or forestry. So instead, what's been happening is that each of the jurisdictions or states would conduct their surveillance differently and look have different target pests depending on the region. Okay. So back in 2015, the Commonwealth Department of Agriculture, Fisheries and Forestry funded a project that would allow forestry 
health and biosecurity experts to work on a framework for national biosecurity surveillance of exotic plant pests. And essentially that framework allowed the work to happen to identify where the gaps in forestry surveillance what will be the recommendations to improve them? And it actually led to several projects leading up to the development of the surveillance program. The clue's in the title, I suppose, but um, I was going to just ask you if you could just explain to me what the kind of overall aim of the National Forest Pest Surveillance Program or Forest Watch is. As I mentioned, each of the jurisdictions are doing things a little bit differently. So you know, the main objective of the program was to achieve national consistency, conduct surveillance at high-risk locations such as near ports, which are determined through a modelling system called SPEARS, and that allows the modelling to identify where we should do surveillance to target a, a list of exotic pests that could pose a high risk to the forestry industry and the community to ensure early detection and provide protection against exotic plant pests. So basically, the earlier we find it, the quicker we can identify and eradicate it. So basically, the program is about raising the alarm at the earliest opportunity uh, if a, a pest is identified. Identified then, and then from there, whoever needs to step in and conduct mitigation measures can do so. Yes, uh, it is. I mean, it's the whole suite of things, and I guess the program itself—it's almost to the point of raising awareness. These are our exotic plant pests that affects the forestry industry and the community, because forestry includes that there's big trees in the streets that everyone loves in the national parks and all of that. So it affects not just the industry, but it's also the community as well. How do we raise the profile, what people need to look for, how to survey for it, and how it's done constructively? I was interested to know what the actual surveillance itself looks like on the ground. There's a target of pests that the jurisdictions need to look for. So it's almost like the shopping list. I guess. And so how they do that is the surveillance activities are conducted at those target sites identified by that sphere modelling process. Yep. So um, based upon the target list, the officers set up a panel of traps which are baited with lures to attract the targeted pests. So the traps there have a set program and they're serviced um, every two to four weeks. Servicing a trap looks like collecting the insects that are caught in those traps and refilling the trapping fluid within those traps some the panel traps themselves and changing the laws as needed. So they have the set procedures, I guess, to, to roll out and maximise the capture of the insects and the target pests. So the officers then conduct a, a visual inspection of the trees as well, either in the vicinity of the trap or in the nearby locations to see if there's any activity. So this basically means assessing the tree for any pest symptoms and then it's followed up by working out what those symptoms mean to rule out if there's exotic pests or diseases. I know that you mentioned earlier that the traps have been installed in high-risk areas or entry points for potential pests coming into the country. What would classify as a high-risk location? Well, they term that as high-risk because they're near ports. So when there's traffic coming in from the sea and approved arrangement sites, 
So basically any consignments of overseas shipments, containers coming in, there's a potential for hitchhiker pests that then could uh, introduce a pathway to come into the region. I guess there's really good methodology and a way to capture any of those pests that could jump off uh, Mm. one of those shipments and head to a a favourable host. And so that's why when we're looking for exotic pests, we target the space or the areas around the habitats where there's potential introductions from um, exotics. So they they tend to be wherever items, I suppose, are coming into the country. So it says ports. Would it be airports as well? The Commonwealth Department basically has a list of what they call an approved sites where you can bring in things from overseas. So the airport could be because there's obviously a global travel, so mm. people, a movement, so anywhere where the overseas comes in. But to what's the habitat surrounding those locations? Because a location could be surrounded by all concrete, for example, for X number of, of the perimeter of an area which is not conducive for a pest to jump off and go onto a habitat that's there. So it's really around set sites based upon the modelling and the risk factor. The first full year of surveillance then was completed a few months ago. How would you say that that first year went? What came out of the the program for 22-23 was that there was 928 traps cleared every two to four weeks, as I mentioned. Uh, Over 2,670 tree health surveys were conducted and no um, exotic plant pests were detected. It's very good news. Yes, that is. That's awesome. That shows that something somewhere is working in terms of the, uh, the the measures that are currently in place. What are the advantages for the forestry industry of this program? It's really around conducting national surveys, targeting a common list that would affect industry or the yeah. trees. And the real kind of basic positive outcome is that early detection and greater potential for eradication, which equals less damage, which equals less cost to the industry. So the benefit is an economic one, if we really break it down for the industry. Yeah, well, it's core, cool, isn't it? It's, it's early detection is really down to protecting the industry. Yeah. And so early detection reduces the economic impact. So if we find it early, detect it accurately and working through if it has spread containers and then eradicate. So the earlier that's done, the less impact to industry and the reduce of costs. Forest Watch Australia is funded through the Forest Power Health Australia levy with in-kind contributions provided by the jurisdictions. So the in-kind contributions is essentially if something is found, the jurisdictions doing the diagnostics to identify what that pest or plant pathogen or an insect pest or what it actually is. So it's a collaboration between industry and government to support the forestry industry. Initially, I think I read somewhere the funding was for five years. Is the hope that if it all goes according to plan, this will be a permanent fixture? Oh, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, essentially, because it's, it's like the first one in in the way that it's a nationally coordinated approach for forestry pests. There was an establishment to negotiate a national forest pest surveillance collaboration agreement, and that covers the five year program. What that looks like now is this five year 
five-year project. It's really funded by the partners, including industry. Within this five years, we can see how well everyone works together, how productive it is. I can foresee it would lead into a continuation. How that looks, how that's funded, we would know moving closer to the end of the project. But I think it's an absolute opportunity for industry and government and Plant of Australia to work together to look for these exotic forestry pests. Lucy went on to discuss another FWPA-supported biosecurity project, uh, this time involving the development of a new mobile app. The My Pest Guide Trees app equips all forestry stakeholders with the tools to do their bit and help to minimise the damage caused to Australian forests and trees by the presence of exotic pests and diseases. To support the stakeholder identification and reporting of exotic plant pests, the researchers produce an app in a similar fashion to the original My Pest Guide app, but this one is targeting specifically for trees. So the My Pest Guide tree app allows the opportunity to report anything unusual when people are going around looking at trees, saying, I think I found some suspicious. It captures a way to quickly take a photo, report it through the, the app itself, it goes into a system. It's very user-friendly, so it can be used by forestry stakeholders, including foresters, local council and the public. Anyone can use this app to be able to say, what have I found? What is it? Kind of scenario and work through the images that's embedded into the library of the app. The development team compiled pest information database that captures both established as well as exotic pests. So this included the visible details about the pests themselves, basically the symptoms and their impacts. The app ensures that the the user has the ability to identify and report information or metadata that could include the images for the pest itself, where they took that photo um, to upload into the app. Um, So it provides that avenue to record information. How's that information used? If I've seen something, I I can report it. And the information can then go back to the jurisdictions where that photo is taken to say that if there is something sus, then it goes to to a, a specialist to say yes or no. They can go out to that particular area to to have a look to get more information. Another key biosecurity project currently being conducted in Australia is aiming to build an effective and sustainable forest health and biosecurity network, not just on our own shores, but across the whole of Southeast Asia. Uh, The aim of this work is to improve risk management for invasive forest pests and diseases right across the region. Uh, The project, funded by the Australian Centre for International Agricultural Research, is being led by Dr Madeline Healy, uh, Research Fellow at the University of the Sunshine Coast Forest Research Institute. Uh, I caught up with Madeline to find out more. there was a project in place that I was involved in and it was focused on developing a biological control program for a eucalyptus galling wasp that is thought to be native to Australia and it's basically spread all around the world as eucalyptus has been um, grown right across the world and in Southeast Asia so 
uh, Laos, Thailand, Vietnam, and Cambodia, mm. they were having issues with the gall wasp where it lays its eggs, it overposits in younger trees and seedlings. As the uh, wasp matures, it causes these galls, so these swellings. And what that means is the tree grows really wonky and unsightly. And in really serious cases, it's not profitable, it's not healthy at all. Right. So this biological control project came about from a need from these countries, industry and also government, who said, we've got this problem with this gall wasp. We need something to control it because chemical options are not really viable. That's also can be really expensive. And if they're not used correctly, it can be really dangerous. So the best method is biological control using a good wasp to get rid of the bad wasp. So this project came about in 2014, as I said, and it ran until about 2019. And so the whole purpose was about testing and using a safe, sustainable and effective parasitoid wasp against this gall wasp. The good wasp lays its eggs inside the bad wasp. Oh. And yeah, and so it took yeah. a lot of effort on all of our all of our behalf on all of the partner countries in the Mekong and also Australia. The Australian team and the Mekong countries also teamed up with partners in South Africa to test and implement a known biological control agent. So a native Australian parasitoid that's being used globally to control the wasp. So we built a quarantine lab where we did all of the testing. Once everything had gone through and the process was approved, we knew that it was safe and sound. It was released. And it's now out in the wild and it's controlling the numbers and the severity of this pest. So the problem, the gall wasp, came about because biosecurity capacity, biosecurity framework for forestry in that part of the world, in this Southeast Asia pocket, wasn't really developed. So that's why this gall wasp was able to get in because there was no checks and processes in place to make sure that something new doesn't enter, just like wow. we have here in Australia, really good biosecurity and quarantine measures and actions and activities. I know that you mentioned that the gall wasp was native to Australia and then it ended up um, in other countries around the yeah. world. That as a result of timber or eucalyptus trees coming in from Australia and they're not being properly checked on the other side then? Is that how Yeah, that... they were transported. And because eucalypts are grown all over the world, it's given them the pathway. It's the vessel for them to move to move out and around all over the globe. And because lots of countries are, are obviously border with other countries, land borders, it just takes a couple of trees to move across the border. And as things are being planted, it's just provided the stepping stones for these, not just gall wasps, many pests as well, to yeah. just move around the world. And our partners in each of these countries are forestry departments within government, universities and other research institutes too, and also in industry. So basically everybody got together and said, there's a gap here in a biosecurity framework for the region. This is something that we would really like to develop. So we'd previously worked on the control and management options. And now we've gone sort of one step backwards, pre-control. It's about keeping things out. And I just want to say too, that forest biosecurity gaps, it's not just in Southeast Asia. This is quite common globally. Australia does it really well. New Zealand does it really well. And there's other places too, but this is something that is needing to be developed in other parts of the world as well. Yes. So 
So everybody got together and said, we need to start thinking about forest biosecurity and developing a framework. So in 2020, just as COVID hit and nobody could travel, we ended up doing basically an online scoping project where we got together with all of our partners and all of the people that our partners thought need to have input into this project. And we did a whole heap of uh, surveys, online questionnaires and discussions to find out what the technical capacity is for forest biosecurity in organizations, in countries, what capacity is needed, what resources are needed. And what came out of that scoping project was this current project. And the purpose of it is that everybody has thought that a network, a collaborative approach to developing biosecurity will be really effective in the region because everybody are so close geographically, plus everybody has different capacity. Thailand, for instance, have got really strong science capacity, forest biosecurity capacity. Some of the other partners are just starting, for instance, Laos and Cambodia. And so what that means is they've got partners that are close by and also it's slightly culturally similar. And so they can help out in developing an approach to forest biosecurity. And so that's for all different kinds of potential pests and and diseases? We are keeping it broad. So the project is covering all forests, but it's predominantly planted forests is what we are focusing on for the moment. This new project includes the four Mekong countries that I mentioned, but we've also got two new partners. So we've got Indonesia and Malaysia as well. And in each country, we're setting up a high-risk site surveillance program. And what this is, is a trapping and surveillance system that can monitor for new and also current wood and bark boring beetles that are going to be coming into countries that can then cause a whole heap of havoc in planted forests, mainly eucalyptus, but also it covers things like acacia as well. Now, this surveillance and trapping approach uh, probably sounds quite familiar given the uh, interview that you've just heard from Lucy. But I went on to ask uh, Madeline what the next steps would look like uh, if a potential threat was detected by using this approach. All of our partner countries and including Australia are all members of the World Trade Organization. And so what that means is that they are automatically a signature to the International Plant Protection Convention, which sets out basically all of these rules and instructions of activities that you should abide by and things that you should do to ensure healthy plants. So that includes forests for the purpose of safe trade. So what happens is each country as a signature to the IPPC, they must be able to provide a rundown of the plant health status of their different plant industries. So for forestry, it means that they need to be able to produce pest lists. And this is lists of known and regulated pests that are already present in their country. And they also have to be able to basically say what they do and they don't have. And this is for trade purposes so that it's all fair. And it means that there's no stoppage in safe trade between countries. So for example, if you're moving wood from one country to another, you need to be able to say that you've implemented specific activities. So they're called ISPM, so International Sanitary and Phytosanitary Measures. And this is to ensure that the wood's being treated and you're not going to be moving any pests around. So what happens with this surveillance is it means that countries can begin to start building these pest lists because these pest lists for forestry are really patchy for many countries. And so they can't actually say with certainty what the health status is of their forests, what they do and they don't have. So this is a first step to building an idea of what is already present. It'll be coupled with on-ground forest health surveillance as well. And it's also 
that measure of sort of an alarm for, hey, this is something new and then actions can be taken to contain. But it also means that they've got the ability to give warning to their neighbouring countries, which is another rule that you need to abide by as being a signature to the IPPC as well. Essentially, what it means then is that if you can demonstrate the risks or or the, the pests and diseases that are present in your country currently, then you can demonstrate that you've taken all the proper measures to protect the importer. Is that kind of how it how it works? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. And it's also for exporting as well, because it means that you can say, for instance, if Cambodia is wanting to export to, uh, let's say, Malaysia, and Malaysia don't want a specific rubber pest, if Cambodia has got an idea of what pests are present, it means that they also know what isn't present. And so they can say with certainty, based on the information that we've got, we don't have this. So therefore, they can have free trade between those two countries. Are there any additional benefits or potential benefits either for Southeast Asia or Australia or world? Well, I guess there's two other really important benefits from the project. Firstly, it's about safeguarding forests, so environmental, safeguarding planted forests, but then there's the flow-on effects because people rely on these forests for different things. There's the social well-being that we get out of forests, and that might just be our recreational use, but also the social well-being of having an income from working in some of these plantations. It's stability um, and feeding into economies and rural economies as well. And then if you want to look at it from an Australian perspective too, it's about partnering and collaborating and capacity building of our near neighbours. And it means that our biosecurity system is stronger because if we've got a whole network and we've got partners and neighbours who've also got really good, strong biosecurity capability, that means that we're protecting our own forests here in Australia as well. What stage then is is the research at at this point or, or what's the kind of general timeline? The project officially started about about this time last year, it was all signed off. So it will be about a, a four or five year project. So it's really just started. We've set up the high risk site surveillance in all of our partner countries, with the exception of Indonesia. That's about to happen soon. The plan is you set up these high risk site surveillance, you start collecting the data. So you're checking the traps, you're, you're finding out what beetles are there and sort of the abundance, working out what's already been present and anything that's new. And within these trapping program, it's also developing diagnostic capacity as well. So you've got training and identification of these different species based on on what you're finding. Within that, you can start to begin to build these pest lists that I was talking about before. Uh, And you can also start building insect collections because you need a curated collection as well as a reference tool as evidence of of what you've got. So we're right at the start, doing all of this on-ground work. The next step that is coming is to really hone in and develop the diagnostic capacity for what's being caught in in these traps. So we're now moving into the phase of of running the the training and developing the capacity. And that will be a series of in-country diagnostic training workshops. And then there'll be some laboratory swaps. So we'll get partners from Cambodia to go and spend some time with our partners in Malaysia, who've got really good capacity, really good skills as well, to increase that knowledge and experience of conducting diagnostic. Interesting stuff. It certainly makes sense that 
Increased global trade and travel brings with it increased risk of exotic pests and diseases infiltrating Australia's borders. And, as we've heard, the knock-on effects can be extensive, impacting everything from the environment to the economy uh, to job security and local communities. Essentially what this means is that we all stand to benefit from improved biosecurity measures. So that's just about it for another episode of Wood Chats. Uh, We hope you enjoyed what you heard and that you'll join us again next time.